0: Welcome back to the Rob Skinner podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, make this life count, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today on my program, I'm interviewing Angel Martinez. Angel was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. He was baptized in 1988 in New York City. He was part of the Manhattan Campus Ministry and went on staff in 1994. Shortly after that, he was Selected to lead the planting to the Dominican Republic, where he left in 1994. Luce, who would be his future wife, also went, and as singles, they planted the church in the Dominican Republic with 18 members. He and Luce got married in 1997. In 2000, he he led the church in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then returned in 2003. To continue on leading the work in the dominican republic today the churches add up to over 900 members throughout the dominican republic with three churches he's been married 23 years and he has a six-year-old son by the name of joseph angel welcome to the show thank you great to be here it's great to have you on the on the program you know uh let me just start off by asking you this question angel how'd you become a christian
1: that's a good question. I mean, um, you know, I was born and raised in New York, and a good friend of mine, uh, who I grew up with, a childhood friend, uh, was invited to church at his university, and he knew me. I was I was brought up pretty religious, and uh, so he thought, oh, maybe this guy might be interested in coming to church with me, and so uh, he had just uh, was just baptized, and then came over to my house, and invited me to go to church. I went to a service in Manhattan. I uh, liked it. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I just didn't tell him that. <laughs> I
0: didn't want him to bother me or
1: anything. But I, I, I liked it a lot. And uh, he invited me back again. And in the second um, meeting, they had a, kind of like a Bible talk for visitors. And uh, I loved it. And I guess because of my religious background, I kind of knew a lot of the answers to the questions. So I kind of felt like this is cool.
0: Right.
1: So started studying the Bible. Um, then they moved me to another ministry. So the campus that I was at was another part of Manhattan, uh, study the Bible and about, I guess, 12 days after studying the Bible, i baptized.
0: Oh, 12 days. That's fast. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You're, you're, you're ready to make a decision at that point.
1: Yeah. I was, I mean, I, I guess growing up, going to church, I knew God and the Bible was something serious and important that I needed in my life. And I just kind of, you know, made a, made some pretty bad decisions in my life. So I, I think God knew the exact time uh, I needed to be invited to church.
0: That's great. How old were you at the time when you became a Christian? 19. Oh,
1: 19.
0: Yeah, 19 years old. I was was right around that same time period. So tell me, what's your family background? You're in the Dominican Republic now. Tell me about your parents, where you came from.
1: So like I said, I was born born and raised in New York. Um, My dad is from Puerto Rico. And... um, my mom's from the Dominican Republic, so they they met each other in New York in uptown Manhattan uh, in a church, and uh, you know, so it's so I was born and raised born and raised in New York, uh, part of a family of uh, I'm, I'm one of six. I have a, I have a twin brother.
0: Wow.
1: And, uh, so you know, it's it's I, I think like anybody who grew up in New York, I, I grew up living there. thinking it's the greatest city in the world. I would leave. Feet first. I love this city, you know. Uh, diehard Yankee fan, oh, yeah. you know, from Brooklyn. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. I think basically the, the quintessential New Yorker. Right, uh, right. You could say. Exactly. Okay. So tell me, how, how did you get chosen to go to the Dominican Republic?
1: That's a funny story um, because I had no plans on going to the Dominican Republic, I had no desire to go to the... Right. Um, you know, try to make a long story short, it's... They were putting together the team and um, I was studying film, so they said they needed someone to help with the audio-visual. I, I kind of song-led a little bit in Spanish and so that was... Uh, they asked if I could serve them that way. I said, sure. I didn't know there were some secondary plans going on in the background. <laughs> and, um, you know, that is... So, I... Um, so I went and I'm helping out, you know, with the videos and the things that we're putting together and they had a person already chosen to lead the team. And so I was just going there to just kind of help with that, do my, you know, help out with the devotionals, leave and go home. A good friend of mine who was helping out with the, uh, putting together the team, Steve Rivera, tells me, um, listen, why don't you go to, um, to the team meeting? You know, they're meeting at Steve Johnson, Steve and Lisa Johnson's house. And, why don't you go? And I'm like, why why would I want to go? And he was like, just go, bro. You never know. You just, you know, you, to see. I said, I have no desire to go in the Dominican Republic. I even had Dominicans telling me, you know, I was a sellout. They're like, you know, they're telling me, you got to go back to your country, bro. And I'm like, my country is Brooklyn. I'm sorry. i have like, never been there. I'd never been to the Dominican Republic. I was there when I was two years old. When my mom took me to meet the family. That was it. And so, um, so my desire, my dream—I wanted to be an intern in the Church in New York. That was that was my uh, that was my personal goal. That was my dream. And so, I guess I, somewhere between obedience and uh, a good friend twisting my arm, right. I said, "Okay, I'll go." Right. And um, so I went, and you know, the team was there. They're at Steve Johnson's house. They somebody cooked some Dominican food. So the food was great. I'm sitting there, and so Steve starts asking people, "So, why are you here? Why are you here this evening?" And, um, and, you know, they're going one by one by one by one. I'm kind of the last guy hiding behind <laughs> the plant somewhere. And um, and he said, so Angel, why are you here? And I said, um, you know, I'm here because somebody told me I should come. <laughs> he says, oh, so you came for the food then. That's the reason why you're here. <laughs> so everybody at, at that point is looking at me and, and he says, Angel, you know, can I tell you one thing? I said, listen, if you tell me I have to go, I'll go. I'm a disciple. It's, you know, there's not a church there that people need to be made disciples. I won't go. But if you ask me my opinion, that's not what I want to do. My dream is I want to be an intern in the church in New York. So he said, pray about it. And um, so I went home and prayed about it. You know, I said, let you know pray about it. And then I felt like, I always say to this day, I felt like Steve sent demons after me for the next three days. Wow. I could not sleep. I had, I had problems sleeping over the next three days. Hmm. The only thing that kept coming to my mind was, DR, the Dominican Republic, moving there. How is that going to be? I've never lived outside of the U.S. Um, I'm still in school. Um, What am I going to do? What what am I going to do for work? My Spanish is not that good. So three days later, I call up a brother disciple of me, and um, and I said, said, listen, um, let's do this. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I don't know what's going to happen. I am scared. (laughs) You know what I mean? Well, let's go. And the next thing I know, I get a call and saying that Steve Johnson wants to meet with me. Now, that scared me because I'm like, you know, <laughs> what, what, why does Steve want to meet with me? Right. And so I go over to his house uh, and uh, he's packing for a trip. He says, Angel, so I heard you made the decision to go. I said, yeah, I'm scared. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm, I'm going to go. And he says, okay, well, I got good news. I said, tell me. He goes, remember you shared the other day how your dream was to be an intern for the church in New York? I said, yeah. He goes, your dream was you just really and he says yeah brother you're going to be an intern here in the church in New York for 10 days (laughs) I'm like that's not funny (laughs) Like, you don't play with people's dreams that way he says yeah yeah you're going to be an intern here for the church in New York in 10 days for 10 days because then after that you're going to go down and leave the mission team basically two weeks later I was on a plane uh to lead a, to lead the church.
0: Right? Oh my gosh! So you weren't Never. you weren't in the ministry, and not only did you go on the team, but you're asked to lead the team. Oh my! Now tell me, what yeah. was the extent of your leadership prior to that? Were you leading a Bible talk? Are you leading a small group? Uh Yeah,
1: I was leading a Bible talk. Uh, you know, that was leading a small group. Uh, you know, in the, in the Latin ministry, I was in the Latin ministry at that time. And so I was leading a Bible talk, but the reality is I never counted the cost from anybody. Um, you know, it's, it took people as far as studying sin. <laughs> I, mean, um, I was one of those guys who just wanted to be in the ministry, and, and I think God had to work on me. So, but um, but yeah, that was of my ministry. I'd never been to a staff meeting. I went to one. <laughs> I went to one staff meeting, and then I was put on the. Board. <laughs>
0: That is hilarious! Oh my gosh! Okay, so tell me when he said that. He said, "Okay, you're in the you're in the ministry, and then you're gonna go and you're gonna go on the team." Three things: in the ministry, on staff, you're on the team, you're leading the team. What were you thinking when when you heard that? Oh gosh,
1: up? Rob. I mean, you know, you ever had those kind of experiences where your world just spins? Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, I was just everything. I, it was just I left the department. I was walking around right the side me at the time and I was just in a daze. I was in a daze. I was just kind of, you know, everything was going fast. I was like, okay, uh, school, uh, I have to tell my parents. um, have <laughs> to tell my friends. I'm no longer living in New York. I mean, just everything. It was kind of like, they say, life kind of flashes before. It was, just, wow. it was just moving and moving right. fast. I went from super nervous to super scared to uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right.
0: Now, were you going to school at the time? You You say you were doing film work.
1: Yeah, I had gotten my associate's degree, and so I was just uh, about 20 credits away from uh, graduation for my, uh, my bachelor's degree.
0: At, at uh, New York University or?
1: No, it was at uh, City College, okay. part of the CUNY, the CUNY system.
0: Okay, great. So you were you hadn't quite finished. You had to give that up, so you, you left that okay when you look back at that period now now you're older you're, you're you're mature before you got on that mission team what do you think set you apart i mean why when you look back now why do you think you were chosen when other people remained i mean you weren't even looking for it to happen but there had to have been a reason what what was it what was going on where you go okay now i can see the wisdom here the reason why um
1: oh. I think, I mean, looking back, I think part of it is, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think looking back, part of it is, I think there weren't many options. Okay. <laughs> if, if I look back, you know, if, I think part of it is, I was kind of, my wife says to me sometimes. She goes, I think you were man's last option, but God's first option. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think one of the things that perhaps stood out was, I had a my desire was just I wanted to serve, I, I wanted to serve, and I wanted to help people. Hmm. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I knew was that you know when I became a disciple, I, kind of, I felt like I found my niche. I found this is my purpose. Right. I love being with people. Right. I love helping people. What's the best way to help people? And I think that was probably the thing mm-hmm. that they uh, that, that you know that, that they saw. It's just a desire to want to love people, serve people, and help people become disciples. What a better thing right. to transform people's lives? I guess that would, you know, that would be my guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I just recently had a, an interview with Lynn Green who went to Hong Kong and I asked her about motivation and she said, you know, it's not so much being motivated for the loss, but really recognize, recognizing that I'm needed, that, you know, that there's a need out there and I, could, I need to fulfill it. And I think that, yep. you know, it's kind of what you're sharing there is like, hey, you know, you may not have been uh, had all the experience necessary, but you saw the need and you're willing to act on it, which is awesome. And, and I, I run into people who feel like I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough this or that or age or whatever. And you're a great example of, you know, what, what I saw very commonly during that time period of, of young people. Didn't have everything ready, but basically learned on the job, and that's mm-hmm. that's powerful. We could have a whole section just talking about that. Yeah. Now let's. During that first six years, name three people who inspired you. They could be in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. And what was it about them that inspired you? Who who were you looking to? You go. I want to. I want to be like that person. You mean recently? And no, back in your your early Christian days. You know, maybe the first five to ten years.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, I'd have to say, Steve Johnson was definitely one of them uh, who who inspired me. I mean, I was part of New York Church at the time. There was over 3,000 disciples. Um, Seeing that, you know, meeting in the places that we met, Jacob Javits Center, um, Madison Square Garden, the amount of people that that came out to church, the dynamic services, the multicultural, um, you know, it was... You know, it, it, it was to me walking into the church, the New York City Church, in, you know, back in the '80s was for me it was just an amazing experience. It was just I was like, "This is so." For me, I remember one of the first questions that I asked Steve a year in after we planted the church. here, I just I had one question for you, Steve: How? Right? How can you explain how? Because yeah. you know, I'm the guy trying to do it now, and I'm, I'm I'm like busting my head trying to figure out how to do this. So definitely, Steve. Um, definitely one of those people who inspired me. I think um, you know when I also when I think back of those first few years, I also think of um, Swear because we didn't know each other back then. We knew each other years later. But I, swear, you know, as being Latino, I'm trying to sing. okay, he was a guy doing it in Latin America. Right. You, you know what I mean. So it, it can be done. You kind of look for people with similar situation to you. You right. know what I mean. And you go, right. Right. Okay, He's doing it, man. So I mean, this is somebody again. It was kind of somebody I didn't really know well, but I just kind of admired him, right? From, uh, from afar,
0: Josue Ortega in in El Salvador.
1: Yeah, Josue Ortega, El Salvador. Okay, but at the time in Mexico. Okay, you know. And so I remember seeing him, and I was just like, "Wow, that—that's a guy I'd like to meet." But just hearing about what he was doing and what was going on, I was like, "Wow, okay, if I could just be a little
0: bit like that, right?" You know? Exactly. <laughs> Okay, so Steve and then Josue. Yeah, Steve, it's pretty, pretty amazing to, to take that church from in 83 in New York City to you know, 3,000 people. It's just absolutely mm-hmm. incredible. Yep. Okay. Now, the Dominican Republic is such a fascinating country. I, just reading up a little bit, like 10.5 million people, it's a big country, It's on one island, but it's actually split into two different countries on the island. You've got Haiti on on the right, and then Dominican Republic on the left. Um, Some history of civil wars between the two countries. Mm -hmm. Um, It's been growing economically. Um, I think for me, as a big baseball fan, it's like (laughs) I just go how you know. I guess I got a question, non-ministry related, non-spiritual related. Why do you think all the great baseball players seem to come from the Dominican (laughs) Republic? I I don't get it. I mean, you know, uh, Big Big Papi and uh, Manny Ramirez. I mean, just so many players. What's going on down there?
1: Oh, I mean, that's that's one of the questions I get asked often. (laughs) It's like, what is it? You know, I always tell them it's the water. It's the water. No, I mean, you know, baseball here is um, you eat, sleep, and breathe baseball. It's, you know, we have, we follow the major leagues, but also we have our winter league. So, basically as, you know, you're getting into October the World Series, our winter league starts and then it just continues right on through. And so, it's, you know, until, until you know, preseason. So, we, it's baseball all year round here. Um, but I think part of it is, it's just one, it's such, it's such part of the culture. I mean, it's, it's the number one sport. Nothing even comes close to it. So I, I think that's part of it Two is, you know, you've got almost every major team has a camp down here. Right. Every major team is represented <laughs> here. And so you see guys, I mean, in my neighborhood, seven o'clock in the morning, taking my son to school, and you see these kids, 16 years old, 15 years old, 14 years old and everything with their, Bats, their cleats, their gloves—they're practicing. They're running, you know. They're pulling the tires. They're doing, you know, they're doing all that from like super early. Almost everywhere you go, you will find kids practicing. It's phenomenal. But also, you have to understand economically, it is the way out. Yeah, for a lot of these guys. Yes. Even if you just make it to, um, even if you don't even make it to the major leagues, but you just make it to the minor leagues. There's, I know guys who made their careers in the minor. You know, and yeah. so it's 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 so it's. I think there's a lot of motivation. It's the love of the sport, but also it's a way out economically.
0: Right, sounds like a great place to live. Uh, average temperature about temperature about seventy eight degrees Fahrenheit.
1: Um, well, that's uh, only certain parts of the year. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's only four months of the year. After that. It basically average uh, almost about 90 with like almost a hundred percent humidity.
0: Oh my gosh. So it's very humid. Okay. And you live in Santo Domingo. Is that, that's where yeah, you live
1: you're in the capital.
0: Okay. And you get a lot of tourism coming through there.
1: Yeah. So a lot of, we, we you know, you, obviously it's not like Punta Cana or anything like that, but then you get a lot of people who want to come on in to see the city.
0: So yeah, you get quite
1: a, okay. quite a bit of tourists.
0: Okay. That's it's just reading about, it, I thought, boy, that sounds like a really nice place. I. The, my only association with the Dominican Republic is all the great baseball players. And, and then, uh, you know, big, who was it? Uh, David Ortiz getting stabbed in the back in a, in a, a bar down there. He was, yeah, he was shot. Oh, shot. He That's right. Shot. shot. Oh yes. my gosh. I just heard about he that. Was shot. And, yeah. And that was a whole big thing. Well, was that a big deal down there when that happened? Major big deal. I mean, we uh, heard about it up here. It was big he news. Oh, yeah. He
1: is a, he's a national hero. I mean, um, there's, there's not, you know, you've got a lot of famous players who come through, but there are certain guys who stand out more than others. Wt's uh, Ortiz, Pedro, Pedro Martinez is Pedro. another one. Right. I mean, they are like, hats off to you, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, they can walk into any place over here. So when that happened, uh, people were just in disbelief and in shock.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a shocker. We're, my my family, uh, my wife is from Boston, and so she is ma- a major Boston fan. And so I, you're a you're a Yankees fan, so we can't really talk too much about baseball. But
1: <laughs> no, 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 we, we'll, we'll go down a you know bad road, down there, you
0: know. So. <laughs> okay, well, listen, t- talking about diversions and pastimes, what do you do for fun? I mean, I'm sure leading a church is a lot of pressure, leading 900 people, three churches, overseeing those. Yeah. What do you and your wife do for fun, hobby-wise? What are you guys doing to, to relax and blow off steam?
1: I think um, part of it, me, I, you know, I love, I love hanging with the guys. You know, uh, like some of my, you know, some of my best friends are the guys who I leave the church with here. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we, you know, we do a little bit of everything. You know, it's, it's uh, sports, you know, the basketball or uh, the movies, which we love. You know, I mean, or just getting out to the, or just getting out to the countryside. You know, there's some beautiful. That's a great thing about living in VR. If you want to go to the beach, uh, you know, you get some beautiful beaches a couple of hours away. If you want to go up to the mountains, you can do that as well. I mean, with myself and Luce, you know, some of summer traveling, we both love traveling. Sure. Uh, I've gotten, we've, we've gotten a chance to go to quite a few places because of you know, being in the ministry and being invited to conferences. So we both that we're both movie buffs. So, you know what I mean? And I think we were on a honeymoon. I think we saw five movies. <laughs> it's like that. You know? But um, those, are, I think between that, I think hanging with the guys, traveling. Um, and like I said, and, and I used to play basketball a lot more before. Unfortunately, I had a knee surgery and, uh, about a year and a half ago. So, I had a torn meniscus and a oh teletendon. Boy. So, I've, that's us. I've had, I've had I've had to, now I'm
0: going to be getting into cycling. That's going to be my main <laughs> thing. You're moving into the coaching aspect of basketball. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's let's go back. I mean, it's pretty impressive. You you came as a a barely appointed intern to lead a planting of 18. No specific training that you received. You've grown the church from 18 to 900 disciples all over the island. Okay, can you just give me a quick overview of how that happened? I know there's a lot that went into it, but just where would you start? What what city and then what years these pl- church plantings went out? You just give me a quick kind of rundown. We'll we'll dig we'll drill deep more deeply into it as we go, but just how how did it develop?
1: Well, we came we started in um, you know, it was June 94 with 18 and uh, it was a Pretty mixed bunch, it was about 11 11, uh, women, eight men, 11 women, women, seven men. We finished that year six months later with about 49. Began 95 with 49, finished with about 110. Began 96 with about 110, finished with about 220. And then it just kind of kept going and going. And at about 2000, we were at least uh, close to knocking on about 800.
0: Wow, so you you were like doubling every year, pretty much. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. that's incredible. And so it
1: was it pretty quick, and then um, you know, and then from 2000, 2003
0: we went to Puerto Rico to, to lead the church there, and then okay, but let's became, just let's just mm-hmm. stop right there. Why did you go to Puerto Rico? What I mean, you're you're cranking, you're just totally blowing it out there. You get pulled to go to, to Puerto Rico. Why? Well.
1: I think um, at the time, I think the the thought, maybe I think the thought behind it was, okay, since things are going so well in VR, maybe we can try to do the same in PR. Uh, things, things were not going uh, as well. I think the, the church had gone through, you know, its ups and downs and, and its different changes, went through a lot of leadership changes. I think when, by the time I got there, I think I was uh, church leader number seven.
0: <laughs> and okay. the church
1: was planted in 91. Wow. So they had gone through a lot of transitions. So I think the thought process at the time was, okay, it's they're doing this really well. Let's put them over there. And uh, we think maybe the same thing could happen. Uh, it didn't quite happen that way. <laughs> I think that was the thought.
0: Oh, so your dad must have been happy because you're in Puerto Rico. And so you got to go back to two, your dad's home home and your mom's home. pretty awesome there. So you, get, oh, yeah. you you went back. What, what brought you back to the Dominican Republic?
1: Well, we, 2003, uh, get a call. Basically, that, uh, that that last check we got for support was that last check.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a common, common comment I get from people when we start talking about 2003. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> End of the so, ministry I'll... as you knew it. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: So... Basically got got a call, and uh, there was another couple that was from the Dominican, Dominican Republic who was also here with us. Uh, we packed them up in about a week or two, and the church, and one of the great things about the church here in DR, one of the many reasons why I love this country and the church here, is when they heard what was going on there, you know, we talked to them about the other couple. They were like, we want them back. We want them back. Tell them to come back, we'll, we'll take care of them. And they were even asking, are you coming back? And I'm like, right now, no. <laughs> So then what happened is uh, we kind of tried to stabilize the church as much as possible. I think we held down the fort there for you know, at least maybe six months after things kind of started crumbling. And then um, we decided there was time. It was time to just you know, to leave. And uh, again, I never never really wanted to go to Puerto Rico. I kind of said, okay, let's go. This is what God wants us. Amen. You know, but my desire was always to be back in the yard. And so I was really um, encouraged when the church there was like, yes, come back. We want you back. Then wanting to be back, you back. Know? Mm. So that's what brought us back to the Congo.
0: Okay, but you are a a major New Yorker. You didn't give any thought to going back to the states, back to New York, at that time. Not really. Um, I, um, you know, when
1: I I think when I went down to the Dominican Republic, I didn't know how much I was going to love it. I was I was scared because I didn't know any other culture, any other country. Um, and so I, even though there was different challenges of moving to a third world country and just all the different things that, that, that come up with, I, I felt at home. It, yeah. was, it was the strangest thing, but, but I, I loved it and I loved living in the Caribbean and I said I couldn't see myself going back to New York.
0: That's amazing. You know, there's Sean Wooten, yourself, there's just a few other people that went off prior to 2003 that are still on the mission field. And it's it's something really impressive to to see people that are, you know, there for life. I know I, I came back in two thousand three, and many many other missionaries came back for uh, lack of funding or for different reasons during that time. But it's impressive that you've been there the, the entire time. Now talking about the growth, nine hundred people—that's awesome. How does that compare with like your initial plans and your initial dreams for the church in? In the Dominican Republic, is that something like way beyond what you thought would happen, or is it? Was there feelings like, "Oh man, I want three thousand, just like New York City"? Tell me about what mm. what you were thinking, and then what actually happened, how you felt about it.
1: Well, I think initially it blew me away. I didn't really know what to expect, just because of my lack of experience. I, you know, I just kind of went, "Okay, um, I know how to I know how to study the ball with somebody." <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> I know we gotta love. I, I know we gotta love one another, and, the, and, 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 and we gotta baptize them. Okay, so I, I can't really say there was a number figure in my mind. I just knew let's grow, let's help people become disciples, and and let's let's do this now. Did I know it was going to take off the way it took off? No, that it surpassed what even I thought.
0: It's pretty amazing.
1: At the time, I was just like, "Whoa, okay." You know,
0: where does this coming from? Well, okay. So, what, what, when it just kept doubling year by year, I mean, 18 to 50, 50 to 110 then to 200 plus, what, what was going on? Like, what, what would you attribute that rapid growth to? Can you, can you give me three things like practically that you go? Okay. That's, those are some things that I was doing that, you know, of course, God's blessing the work, but th- this is yeah. helping the growth.
1: Well, I think part of it had to do with the focus, what what specifically we were focused on. Um, I pretty much lived on campus uh, from morning from morning to night. And um, so we we made it a we made it a purpose to focus on the campus ministry. And we were the great part about Santo Domingo is as a campus ministry uh, it's called La Wasp, but it's about over close a, a little over a hundred thousand students on one sole campus. Wow. Yeah. So it was Perfect for two ministries. One in the daytime for uh, your typical student and at the nighttime for your, for your, your working center. Hmm. So basically two ministries began to grow on that one campus. Hmm. And our church, the makeup of our church, the first three years, uh, I would have to say there was only three married couples the first three years, almost perhaps four years of the <laughs> Wow. The big... The big complaint of people back visiting back then is: This is a group of kids, right? This is not, you know. I'm I'm the guy leading them, and I'm 26.
0: <laughs> you're the old timer. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> somebody somebody said, you know, is this a, is this a youth ministry? <laughs> it just it was just all young you know, campus and students.
0: right? Which worked perfectly towards your strengths because that's where you're you're at. You were single. You were young. Yep. And so you didn't have to worry about married issues, doing uh, parenting seminars or marriage seminars, just like, just focus on your, your strength area, which I think is, is really smart. Very, very smart. Okay. So what, um, Luce went on the mission team with you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you know her before you went on the team?
1: Yeah, I knew her. I was even interested in her. She just wasn't interested in me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the problem. I, I didn't know what her problem was. I mean, but, uh, but she, Luce, um, Luce had gone on the mission team to point the church in Puerto Rico in, in that. We knew, in 91, we knew each other because we were baptized a month apart on
0: campus. Oh, wow. And, uh,
1: and the interesting is my wife's Dominican. She's 100% Dominican. born and raised here. Wow. And, uh, but she... You know, wanted to get out of the city. Didn't want to be in New York. Found the first place to Latin America that she could go to, and just and went to Puerto Rico and was there uh, the first uh, the first three years. And, and then she was called up to New York uh, for some training and preparation for the, the team in New York.
0: Okay, so then she went on the team. What, what was that like? You weren't married. You're leading the church as you know, a bunch of singles. How'd that work? I mean, what what was that awkward, <laughs> easy? Uh how'd you manage that?
1: It was it was it was a combination of both. They had times where it was easy, there's times where it was awkward. <laughs> we um, you know, if you know, there's certain there's certain women who just have strong personalities and right. Latino women don't like that. <laughs> you know, strong characters. And and so I think at the beginning we bumped into. We, we we bumped heads. I think we were in agreement. I think we we both love the mission, love people, and I think that's why it kind of it, it worked okay uh, between us. But I knew there was a lot of bumping heads, and also I think it was difficult for me. I was in uh, I was insecure because I was the guy who just got on staff. She had right. been on staff. She had right. gone on the mission team. There were other people even who were kind of interns for like a two the first three two or three months of the church. Who had people had ministry experience? We were just older than myself. I mean, right. just had life experience, and I'm the guy who's supposed to be leading. So I'm I'm trying to make up for everything I do not know, dealing with my own insecurities, my own my own pride. So we kept banging heads a lot, and I was trying to prove my point. But, you know, I'm the big leader who's here to lead. <laughs> <women. laughs> you know, but but, but I, I think we got to a point. I remember um, a good friend of ours. Who, a couple who discipled us for years. He's um, no longer around. Damien John Baptiste, he uh, discipled us for about 10 years. I remember he got on the phone with both of us and he says, he says, both of you just need to shut up and get along. Stop fighting already.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: So, so we kind of figured it
0: out. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Kind of the straightforward discipling approach. <laughs> in in yeah. In phrases you could easily understand. It makes exactly, sense. exactly. <laughs> now it's too complicated. No, was was Luce the, the acknowledged women's leader or was there someone else who was supposed to be in charge of the women at that at the time of the planting? No, she
1: was the acknowledged women's
0: leader. Okay, so she was mm-hmm. she was in charge. Okay, so any advice for for guys who maybe are interested in or working with an older sister, maybe older spiritually, if not older physically. Cause I, I, know for myself that she mentioned that Pam was a, a little bit older than me um, physically, but also spiritually. I mean, she just had gone overseas to on a mission team. And when I met her and so, you know, she just had kind of the razzle dazzle experience. It was, it definitely affected my confidence. You know, I was like, man, mm-hmm. you know, can I, can I tackle someone this awesome? Any advice that you give to people that are, are kind of facing that situation?
1: I think that I guess from, from lessons learned, right. <laughs> it would be, I think the big one, I mean, be secure in your relationship with God.
0: Yeah.
1: That, that's, I know it sounds a bit theoretical, but I guess it's the big thing that I had to learn is to find my security in God, not in my position or my lack of knowledge or my lack of, of experience and having the sufficient humility to be able to learn you know, from, from from the sister meeting. I think with Luce, it was a lot of things. She was very wise had a lot of insight. Right. And I kind of looked at it as always like, oh gosh, now she looks smart now she looks more spiritual right. and I look less. Right. Instead of really having the attitude of, oh, look, I can learn from this. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. It doesn't make me less. It doesn't make me... It, it, and I realized as I got older, no, it actually makes it, it becomes, it makes you more if you're willing to learn and not let that be an issue that has so much to do with, you, with who you are and your confidence and your leadership, but having the humility to be able to learn and know that it's okay. I don't need to know everything. I'm never going to know everything. It's a right that I'm learning from the system. I can be a better leader because of
0: it. yeah, right. So,
1: I think that's one of the things, and I think the other thing that I would advise guys like that in situations is um, listen. You know, pay a lot of pay a lot of pay a lot of attention and listen. There's a lot of things you you'll Be able to learn, and, and I've seen because we've had situations here similar, right? Where then the adm- admiration for both grows, right? And I think the sisters are able to listen more when they know that you're listening, hearing them out, and there's that back and forth communication. I think it makes we've seen it here, it, it just makes for great uh, teamwork,
0: right? I mean, I think it happens so often, even in just simple things, like the, I'll be trying to come up with ideas for a sermon, and I'll just say, Hey, what do you what do you think I should preach on? And Pam has always got these great ideas. I'm like, oh, that's a great yep. idea. I mean, but just asking the question, listening, that's all I had to do. And boom, she's got great ideas. Or, hey, what do you think the church needs? Boom, she's got like two or three ideas, oh, yeah. you know, more than I can handle. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Right, right before we go to bed, she's got five or six ideas for the ministry. I'm like, okay, we've got a rule in our house, like no ministry after 930 at night, you know, because she'll just, keep... you know,
1: I think I might have to apply that. <laughs> <laughs> she'll just keep going. <laughs> so
0: you can't stop her.
1: <laughs> it's like they say, it's like drinking water from a fire hydrant. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. Okay. So here's what I find really unusual. It is unusual that you've been in one place most for most of this time for most of your ministry career. Can you share with me and with those listening what are the positives and negatives of that you've been there since 94 so that's 26 years minus the 20 the 3 years you're in Puerto Rico. Give me the good side and then the downside of that. All right. Um
1: well it's it's funny because I hear from a lot of guys on that I'm sort of an anomaly. Yes, <laughs> in that, it's in that right. particular case but I mean, the good side. Um, I'll tell you some really, some really incredible things. I've gotten a chance to see people come into church as campus students, singles, get married, um, have their children, see their children get married. And me have the opportunity to say, I studied with your father, and now I'm coming across with, with your son. I had this experience that was amazing with a teen. He's not a campus student, but I'm sitting across the table from him. And his father was one of the first guys converted here. Wow. And I'm sitting there looking at his son, who looks almost like the spitting image of him. And his <laughs> son did something like a head, kind of like a head move right. that his father does. And I was transported 20-something years back. And I said, you know, what an amazing privilege that I get as a true student to be able to say, I the Bible with you, Dad. And I'm, I am count the cost with them, baptizing them, and now I'm here counting the cost with you and baptizing you, you know? And and in other cases, to be able to, be able to do the same and to be able not only to do that, but also to be able to marry them and to be able to see um, the process of some of these people's lives. You see, you know, sometimes I think when you're in a place in short time, you only see maybe perhaps a stage that a person goes through. And maybe sometimes that stage is the best stage, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? But I've seen people go through, you know, the, they're high points, some really, really low points in their walk with God that you thought, I don't know if they will make it back. Maybe see them come back, kind of rise from the ashes again. Right. And become this person that you never thought they would become.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I I think for me, I, I have an amazing privilege of being able to see people go through so many stages of life. Mm-hmm. And to be able to to be able to be considered by many. The many here, I'm called, you know, um papaanghili. You know, it's like people look at being in many senses like, like a father. And so I think it's it's the positive. I think one of the other things is to be able to see the church go through its different stages. You know, we, we had this incredible amount of growth, but then also have part of the church shrunk. Mm-hmm. Went down to about 400-something people to be able to then see it, you know, churches be planted. And then be able to see the number come right back up but a much more healthy. Mm-hmm. Much more deeper growth. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, I see a lot more positives and negatives.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: And I've, I've been able to see this an amazing range of just stages of where people have gone through in their life, their children, their health, and be able to be there for almost every single part.
0: Right, that's pretty amazing.
1: And, uh, and, and for me, that's that's a privilege. I think the challenging side, the other side of it, is I think. One is stay motivated, stay motivated. Um is one of them. I think the other challenging side, the bad side would probably be it's easy to kind of get comfortable.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, people know you, you know them. Um you, you know, I, I think sometimes people come in and they come to, to preach and, and you see that they call a particular person higher in a conversation and you thought, oh, I don't know, if they could, but then you see them how they right. how they respond to you and you go, wow, why didn't I? You don't see that. And again, it's the, the amazing part of being people, getting people who come in constantly from outside. So I, I would say that. I would probably say that, that that would be the challenge, is keeping motivated and not not getting comfortable with that. Okay, hey, you know, we're good. We got a church of my You know, I mean, it's all right.
0: Right. You know, there are a few churches that are, are, are that size. I mean, most churches are well under 100. Let's talk about motivation. How do you stay motivated? I mean, you, you've preached sermons for the past nearly 30 years there. Everyone's heard all your stories. They they know your your conversion story. They've heard yep. they've heard every nook and cranny of your life already. So you yep. you've preached the parable of the prodigal son about fifty-seven times. I mean, what where do you dig? Where do you find new motivation? What what gets you up in the morning?
1: I think it comes from a number of different places. Um, you know, I've had—I think ah, first, first and foremost, I think it's a relationship with God. I've, I've, I've had to figure out what works for me at different stages. When I, when I came here at the beginning, had a journal. Um, last, after a while, it became a stack of journals. <laughs> you know, and it was. My prayers to God and just writing about my day and what happened, who I was with and who I did I get with and praying for so-and-so. And, um, and for me, that that did it for me. Just the writing down, the able to communicate and connect with God in that way. Um, and that worked for a time. Um, th- there was there was another time where just, and I think more, I would have to say more recent, it's been my walks. Uh, I go on a long walk. You know, walk for about four or five K and, um, and for me, it's, that's where I leave it all. You know, if if, the, if my route where I walk could talk, it would have a lot of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> it would have a lot of things to say about me. Uh, probably not a lot of good things. <laughs> but just, you know, it's those times to be able to walk and just pray and cry or get angry or just ticked off at situations at like God and just, and just to be able to, for me to be able to leave it is a big thing, uh, for me. Okay. You know what I mean? That, that, yeah. that, time to just to be able to walk and pray and then to come back and just, just get into the word. But for me, there's just something really special about prayer and just being able to get it, it, help, it, 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 even as I'm praying, it, ideas come, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I'm sure you know, you know how that is, you know, the yeah. ideas come and you're like, I need a piece of paper. I got to write this stuff before I forget. Um, it just comes, it refreshes me, it refreshes my batteries. You know what I mean? It, it just gives me an, even a, I can, I can go into the situation feeling angry, depressed, right.
0: mad, and then just come out feeling totally Right, right. So that's, it's, that's the things that- It's weird to me how ideas will come to me in the strangest places. I, I My shower and my sink where I shave, I, I don't know what it is. I'll be sitting at my desk all day and have a, hard, have a hard time coming up with ideas. Then I'll go take a shower, and ideas will just pop into my head. It's weird. I, I kind of look up. Yeah. I go, is there like a you know, like a fast track to heaven here or some little portal there. It's it's funny. Sometimes changing the pace and not thinking about things or getting out and walking like that can really spark new ideas. Tell me about a a, a scare, the scariest moment you've ever Uh, faced. Go go ahead. Did I cut you off? You're about to share something.
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to say one of the other things that I think that motivates me is getting around people who are even more motivated than myself. Yeah. I, you know, there was a time, it was on, um, I don't know, might have been 2009, 2008, 2009, I was, um, I, was I just didn't think ministry was for me anymore. I thought, maybe this is, you know, lost the Midas touch. It just
0: wasn't, right.
1: it, I can't do this anymore. The church is not growing. I felt it was stuck. I was stuck. Um, and I remember uh, I was in LA and I remember I met for the first time Really, for the second time, but for the first time, we got to talk, I met Mike Fonda for the uh, for the first time, and I remember he he told me you know about coming to uh, one of the ACR meetings. We, you know, we're trying to get together, people trying to get together regionally. Yeah. And I was just trying to figure out where can I get some inspiration. I just I just want some inspiration. I don't right. want fighting. I, don't want, I just, And I remember I went there at that time. That ACR meeting was about a group of about thirty five guys. And I remember um, that. I can. I kept going to those meetings for, I guess, for the next four or five years. I kept going, and I kept, bringing, I kept bringing more people with me mm-hmm. to them because I was like, "This is what I needed." Yeah. And and I could say that for leaders who want inspiration, get with guys who are inspiring, right? You know, walk with them, be around them, uh, because for me, at a at a time where I was doubting whether I should even be in the ministry. I remember getting with those guys, getting the getting with those assets, just having those conversations, just being inspired. I felt like, you know what? I can go back. Yes. Yeah. So I would recommend get around other people yeah. who, who, who inspire you. It, it's, it's a sacrifice financially. It's even a sacrifice time-wise, but it is worth it for
0: yourself spiritually and for the church. So worth it. That, that's gold right there, Angel. And I, I don't think people realize... The kind of pressure ministry leaders have and the kind of uh, emotional challenges that they face and the pressure to be christ-like to set a good example in speech life love faith and purity day in and day out and and to stay motivated i feel like it's one of the biggest challenges i mean there's so many times i've just thought oh gosh I wonder if i can make it here you know it, 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 maybe this is it for me <laughs> you know just yeah. uh, I, I i i tell people i've i've quit the ministry you know quite a few times and then in the back in the morning i rehire myself it just it's <laughs> just, I just go, okay it's done you know? yeah but, i
1: mean because it's it's just it's challenging i mean even um two years ago myself and my wife went on a sabbatical mm-hmm. and uh i know when when we made that decision, that some people were like, Are "You guys okay? Is, is, is everything all right?" And and the reality is, uh, we we weren't you know like in a bad place as far as uh, you know, fighting or you know different things like that. I just kind of felt not motivated. Really right. I, I kind of felt like it I you know, I'm, uh, it's it's this is this it's feeling like work. I said this is not good. Exactly. <laughs> is feeling like
0: work. Absolutely. I've I've been there and. You know, it's it's important to be able to kind of monitor yourself and kind of keep in touch there. But uh, motivation is, is so important. Thanks for sharing your routines. Any scary moments you've faced? Any? What's the scariest moment you've faced while on the mission field? Mm. Um,
1: been a been a been a couple of them. Uh, staring down the barrel of a gun for the first time. Oh my gosh. Uh,
0: Oh, tell me what happened.
1: We were, uh, it was me, myself and Juan Carlos, one of the guys who came on the mission team with us. It was a, it was a national holiday. We were waiting for a campus guy that we are going to start studying Bible with. And then we were going to go to, we are going to have a day at the park. So he was going to meet us at our place and we are going to go to the park a couple of weeks. Later. We're waiting for him. And um, all of a sudden I hear somebody screaming in the front of my house, calling him calling my name and calling for Juan Carlos. And he's like, help, help. What's going on? We rush over by the window. We see the guy we're supposed to study the Bible with struggling with two guys, you know. And we're like, what is going on? We're thinking, trying to, you know, trying to hold him up or whatever, you know, steal stuff from him. Myself and Juan Carlos run down. And we start running, you know, bolting to go help this guy. And next thing I know, as we're running toward him, one of the guys pulls out a gun and extends his arm out. And then they said if we're putting on the brakes like whoa whoa, 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 whoa whoa. And then he pulls out his badge. He says, this is the police officers. Uh, oh. He says, this kid here, we were trying to stop him to ask questions, but he doesn't know how to respect authority. Oh my So God. that's <laughs> <laughs> He goes, and, and he's they were asking, so do you know him? And, and mind you the, the gun is still there. <laughs> it's, like, yeah, we know him. He's coming here to study the Bible. Him studying the Bible? <laughs> he needs a lot of Bible study this day.
0: <laughs> Apparently, you hadn't gotten into the sin study yet, yet at that moment. Nice. <laughs> that was going to have to be a two-part Bible study, though, that's the sin part.
1: <laughs> oh, trust me. We had many talks after that, but... But
0: they, they, they put them in the slammer for a few hours to cool them off. So. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> that would be terrifying. That, was, that definitely would have to be,
1: that
0: would rank them on one of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, talking about motivation, what, what are you facing during this, this coronavirus pandemic? Uh, it's certainly lasting longer than I anticipated. What do you, what's working in your church? And, uh, you know, how, how are you managing it during during this time are you guys on a quarantine like we are up here are you guys staying home what's what's going on and what's working for you well
1: well right now as far as the the current we kind of went back a step Uh, we went into full full shutdown uh probably somewhere between march april well uh, yeah probably like between march and june and then after that we kind of they, they opened things up a bit because of elections And unfortunately, we've gone back uh, in a really bad way. So uh, we've had more and more more people infected with COVID than ever before. Uh, We're we're averaging a a little bit over uh, 1,200 positive cases daily. So uh, no churches, no churches are meeting. Some churches were allowed to meet and then they pulled that back. And so for us, I honestly think we're doing better than what I thought we were going to do. To be honest, I, I I thought the transition from to, you know from uh, you know church to virtual church was going to be really tough, just because it's a third world country. Um Not everybody has computers. Not everybody has a consistent internet. You know, at home they usually just have a small little prepaid plan on their phone, and that's about it. Right. So I so I just didn't know how it was going to go. we going This is not going to go well. And to be honest, I've been amazed with the church. here. Been amazed with um, with just how people have they figured it out. They they they've figured it out, and so um, even even contributions, we were expecting that it was going to be a lot worse. I really thought. I said, okay, this is you know we're just going to have to cut you know cut our right. budget, to do whatever right. it is that we got to do to be able to survive. Right. And I've been amazed again with the church. Their, their hearts are sacrifice, consistently they give to figure out who can help them to do these deposits online. Uh, it has. It has. It has. But this has been my experience with the church here in uh, in VR. Wow. They, they've consistently, over and over and over again, held meetings. Wow. And um, since the since COVID, I mean, we've had I think uh, about fifteen baptisms. Uh, since since then, we, we would have liked to have been at, at, at a better place, but I think God's been really good. Amen. We've seen quite a few people get baptized during that time. One really cool part is we've had two people in places where we don't have churches uh, get baptized. One of them is a sister who lives is four hours away, but her sister's is a disciple here in the city. And the um, sister invited her to church. She only came once, and after that was the uh, quarantine And she was studying, she studied on Bible, she studied the Bible 100% virtually. Mm. And six disciples from here, when she was ready, went to that town four hours away, baptized her, Uh, the church saw it, you know what I mean? It was important for everybody to see. And so we've had two cases like that. So now, we might wind up, you know, at the end of this quarantine, having possibly maybe four or five, six disciples in two cities where we don't have churches. Wow. Like,
0: when you look into your crystal ball and you think about the future, where, what do you feel like God is doing through, through all this? Like, where do you see the church going? How, what's, what's normal church going to look like in a year or two? What, what, what's your guess? I'm not going to hold you to it, but what, what are your thoughts?
1: Um, you asked something at first, you said, what, you know, what are the things that we're learning and what we're seeing in the past, you know, We'd invite somebody. There's not a church there. It's like, should we even invite them? Because you know they're not going to be able to... I think our attitude now is going to be after this. is going to be great. Give me your contact anyway. We'll start studying the Bible. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. You can see church online, like, you know, hundreds of us here are doing it. And we can keep studying the Bible. You come on in, we're out there, we're baptizing. We'll figure out a way to... <laughs> I think one of the things that's going to come out of this is we're going to have... We're, I think it's kind of broken the limits of the way that we think. that if we can't get together with them physically, then it's not going to be good. Right. But what we've seen from this, I think, is people actually can be converted. Lives can be changed in mm-hmm. this way that you and I are talking. Right. And so I think, the, I think, one, I think so that's one of the things. I think the other thing is one of the conversations that we've had with the, uh, with the ministers recently is we got to make sure after this is done that we have a strong online presence. You know, uh, one of the cool things is our, our YouTube channel we went from like um, 400 subscribers, now we're, we're not going to 2,200 or something like that. And a lot more people that don't even know the church are saying, online and to study Uh I, You know, and so imagine if we kept doing this even post uh, quarantine, mm-hmm. where our online presence is, is big enough that it reaches out to people where we would never think we would be able to Touch mm-hmm. and imagine the lives can be changed, people who can be converted, churches that can be strong. So, I think we're gonna be how's church gonna be then after this? You know, I think we're gonna have part of it is, I think we're gonna have people who can be like, you know, um, they're gonna be thinking a lot more about mission teams. I think that's what's gonna happen, with some right. people are like, wait a minute, this, this can be done,
0: right? Absolutely. We,
1: we can go out there. We can start this group and still stay connected and still get the help that we need. I think this is kind of breaking some of the barriers that we just put in our minds from one open
0: the, moment of the time. Right. So
1: yeah. I don't know if that really answers so that, that kind of. No, it
0: absolutely idea. does. I mean, it's just, I think change, allowing our minds to be flexible and allow. God to work through this because i i think that this is the challenge for us is how are we going to reach this world um you know christianity is we, we've got so far to go to reach so many more people and i just can't help but think okay god god somehow behind all of this allowing this to happen uh, with a purpose to to seek and to save the lost there's, there's got to be that mm-hmm. reason and I, I just pray to be flexible in my own thinking because it doesn't feel like church to just watch it on TV to me. It doesn't feel normal. It does, it's not familiar. Now, it's not wrong for sure, and I'm glad that people can, can listen to it. But it's, I have to fight through my feelings of just going, you know, you know, this is not church. This is not what I'm used to. This is not what I grew up on, so, so to speak. And just kind of getting in step with God doing something new. And it's, it's like, it's such a huge event. It's a lot like in some ways, 2003, which was an absolute earthquake that hit our, our, our family of churches and it just changed everything about our churches. And this is one of those events where it's like, okay, it it presents a lot of opportunities and I I don't want to miss those opportunities. Um, And I want to, I want to keep growing during this time. I don't want to just uh, sit there and go, man, I just, can't wait till we get back to the way things used to be. That's—I know—that's not the right way to think about things.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing I've been praying about too. Like, okay, God, what do, you, what do you want to teach me, James?
0: Right, exactly.
1: I, I, I know it's like you said. I know it's not. Like you want me to go? Yeah, let's go right back to normal. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's not. I don't, I don't, I'm seeing again. It's just there's a certain um, the word would be a flexibility. Yes. That God's trying to get us yep you know, I'm like you. Uh, you know, this is this is good, and and, and this is meeting the need for now. But right. I, I love church. You know, I love hugging people. I love mm-hmm. bothering my brothers and sisters. Exactly, I mean? totally. Nothing, nothing will ever take the place of that.
0: Yeah,
1: but it, it it should not also it should not also limit the fact that other, that other people can believe in Jesus. Yeah. Because of this, this can be, this can be, this can be the way that things get started. And I don't know, I just, I know I, I wasn't thinking that. Yeah. Before, I think God's challenging, challenging us to think of this.
0: Yeah. You know, your, your life inspires me because you, you weren't planning on doing this. Dominican Republic wasn't even on your radar. You had no idea you were going to go overseas. You wanted to do something for God, but there was nothing clear in your mind. Um, but I think there's a lot of people, you know, it shows me like you've, you've grown into the position now you're a, a, a large church leader, maybe not a mega church leader, but I mean, definitely in the top 1% of church leaders in the world or even more that have churches so large as yours. And yet you had no experience when you got into it, you grew into the position and kept on growing to, to tackle it, which is impressive and shows a lot of flexibility in your thinking and in your spirituality. Any advice that you give to people that are thinking, Hey, I'd really like to do something. I don't know what it is yet, but I want, I want to make a difference. I'd, I'd like to do something.
1: The thing that I would encourage do is, it's, I think sometimes fear can be a thing that holds, that holds people back and, um, uh, doubt, and, and I think that the big thing is just go, yeah. And, and God will help you figure out the rest, right. <laughs> you know, of, the, right. of the details, you <laughs> know. You know. You know. The thin phrase of you know paralysis of analysis, right? You know, it, it, and I and I and the thing is, I think probably the same thing happened with you about how did we know that we were going to be
0: good at this, or, right? Or, exactly. Know, this?
1: it was by doing it, it you know. I mean. I you know in my particular case, um, there was no experience. I, I didn't have this experience to kind of fall back on this training. and walked with so-and-so and this and that. All I had to do, you know, I had to go by what I saw, what I'd seen, and, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes we think that's that's not enough. Right. You know, sometimes we think that, that. But I believe the, the biggest lesson I've learned is, is this. You walk with God, you have faith, you um, persevere. And he and he opens doors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he opens doors. And Now the thing is, I think it's having the flexibility to go where God wants you it's not necessarily where you want. Right. Because yeah. the thing with me was I, VR was not on my was not on my radar. Like you said it was not my plan. I had no plans about Africa, maybe you know what I mean, not Latin America. Right. um It was just not the thing that I wanted, but it was the thing that God wanted. Hmm. And at the end, I'm I'm the better because of it, and I'm happier because why? Because I am. I am in God's will. Not my will, God's will. Right. And so I think it's having the flexibility to go, order where you want to go. Right. Where you want to go. And that's the thing that I would encourage somebody with. It's one of the But have the flexibility that it might not be, where you want to go and God might not want to, you might be on the same stage. You might not.
0: Right. That's right. (laughs) But having the
1: attitude is, I want to go. I want to go where you want. Sometimes that might mean hitting a couple of doors, you know, that, that close Right. Until
0: he opens up that next right? Make, making yourself available. I, I, hearing your story and just when you said Steve sent the demons after you, and just just saying, okay, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to go. That's that's when God is able to use you and and fulfill His purpose for your life. Now, I was talking to Matt Rupert a, a couple months ago, and he is a campus leader up in the. New Jersey, New York city church. And he said, he's, he's, he's got a reach every beach program that, that I guess is a, a dream to reach every place in the Caribbean. Yeah. Um, you've got a few churches there in the Dominican Republic, and it sounds like you're already starting some other areas through, through the live programming. Um, where, where are you going in the future? Like, what's your plan? Can you talk a little bit about ex- expansion, future mission plans in the Caribbean? What, what is well, the need? If someone's like, wow, you know, well, it looks like, looks like uh, Angel's already got it covered. You know, there's no more room there. Is there room for uh, a young person or, or a middle-aged person or maybe a retiree to, to continue, continue the work?
1: Oh, there's. I mean, if we talking about Caribbean-wide? Yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of room. Even here in the U.S., I mean, the um, Caribbean—it's about—it's a little over—it's about a little over three thousand two hundred disciples. and about thirty about thirty churches. But yet, there's still so many other islands, French-speaking, Dutch-speaking, English-speaking who do we do not have churches, you know, and uh, campus ministries. We need, to, we, need, we need to strengthen our campus ministries, especially in places like uh, Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, where we have UE, University of the West Indies, which is an amazing opportunity because there are three main campuses around these islands, but so many students from so many other parts of uh, the other islands in the Caribbean where we don't have churches go to study. And it's an amazing opportunity to convert students who will go back to be able to start churching so is there space there's a lot of space right, right. <laughs> and there's a and one of them the, you know I, I would encourage anyone uh come on down to the caribbean you know and if, right. and if you've got a desire to work and a desire to, to even work, you know we, we don't have a lot of money but we got a lot of love and we got a lot of good food. that's
0: <laughs> that's right that's right if someone wanted to reach you online how how would they get a hold of you angel
1: Um, they can get a hold of me either through, um, my email. I mean, should I just give it to you now? You
0: can, I, you know what I can do is I can include it in the notes for the program. How's that sound? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, my email or you can get a hold of me in my WhatsApp and my phone number. So yeah, you can definitely do that. there's definitely, there's a lot of needs. Like I said, we don't have a lot of money, a lot of good food and a lot of love, a lot of great time.
0: That's right. That's right. Well, let me ask, ask you this question. What's the, What's the best compliment anyone's ever paid you? Best compliment? Wow. That
1: is a very um, good question. I mean, I think one time somebody, somebody complimented me um, on just the, they came down here, they visited the church, and they were with the staff. And our, our core leadership and the big thing that they said is about. They said, "I love the way you are with them Because you're just another one. Of, you're just another one. Mm-hmm. Because they respect you, but your friends first mm-hmm. before even being guys on staff or even you know you're, you're the church leader and kind of guy, No, because your friends first. You can tell the respect for each other, but also for you. Yeah." For, for me, more than I guess many other things, that for me means a lot. I'm a, I'm I'm a, I'm a relationship-oriented person. Yeah, and so for me, my relationships are uh, are important, in the fact that I have, that it's just not that you know, like I say it often, I said we don't only really just like one another. We actually we don't only really just love one another. We actually not like one
0: another. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So for me
1: to hear that. That for me was like, that's the best compliment
0: I, I can give. That's a great compliment. You know, that,
1: that we're friends first before
0: anything else. Yeah. It reminds me of a book that has always inspired me, the, the um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Norman Vincent Peale. And it talks about being an old hat kind of a person, a person that can just, just relax around people and share stories and be comfortable. And, You certainly strike me as that. I I totally agree with that assessment. I mean, you are uh, comfortable to be with, easy to talk to, very approachable, and uh, non-threatening, and yet you've got a fire for God. And I think that those people skills are just so valuable in the ability to really connect with all different types of people and to love people. And I I think that's where... um, I see so many people that are are doing well in the kingdom of God long term is they they are very loving people. Simple as that. They're great with people. People love them. They love people. And uh, that more than any technical skill has kept them in in serving God for a long time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for Absolutely. And- I really appreciate you you taking this time, Angel, and you know, prior to this, I I don't remember us actually, actually having an official meeting. We probably met at a conference here or there, but uh, your work has become world, world renowned and it's inspiring what you're doing. And I want to thank you and want to just uh, wish you every blessing moving forward. And I look forward to a time in the future when we can have a live conference and it's not uh, online where we can give you a great big hug and, and uh, hear all the great things that are happening in the Dominican Republic. Anyway, man, well,
1: well, Rob, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for just being able to, you know, for making it on the list of those who can be on the podcast. Oh, my gosh. I'm I'm a fan, so thank thank you. you.
0: Thank you so much. And I want to thank you for listening today to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. If you enjoyed the program, I'd like to ask you to share it with your friends and subscribe to the podcast. Have a great day and make this life count.